Girlfriends, episode number 211, Living Memento Mori with Emily Diardo. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, I'm sharing a conversation I recently had with an author, Emily Diardo, who writes about living memento mori. What does that mean? Let's find out. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Thanks for being here. Thanks for showing up. You know that means a lot to me. I'm so glad that you are joining me here. If you are a first-time listener of the Girlfriends Podcast, I want to give you a warm welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for checking it out. I'm hopeful that Girlfriends will become a helpful, encouraging part of your every week. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. You know I appreciate you. Thanks so much for showing up. This week, I am recording. If you hear um, noise in the background... This is why I'm recording from my room. I've locked myself away in here because the kids had a half day at school because of snow. Okay, fine. But they're big kids, right? So it should be quiet in the house. (laughs) No, no such thing. Usually we have our two youngest, Rafi and Daniel, who are home during the day and they're homeschooled. And my mornings and afternoons are usually pretty quiet inside of school hours. But that is not the case here. You would think high schoolers coming home during the day. I don't know. They've got this energy. And I think it's maybe because of the snowstorm. There's been so much yelling and running around and none of it. I really want to discipline or make them stop because it's actually very good natured and kids are having fun with one another. So I'm going to just quietly lock myself away in my room and try to record this podcast Please forgive any yelling or shouting or stomping around or running up and down the stairs that you might hear in the background. That's life. I don't love you enough to go out and record in my car today. It's freezing out there. <laughs> I do love you enough, I'm, but I'm choosing this, okay, because it's heated here in my room. Anyway, I'm glad you're joining me here. Last week, I had the chance to share with you about the new release of my newest book, Giving Thanks and Letting Go, Reflections on the Gift of Motherhood. And I heard from a few of you already who've had the chance to read the book, and it's been so encouraging for me to hear positive feedback But, you know, I'll take it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You can let me know what you really think. But it's been really encouraging to me to kind of begin this conversation. So in this newest book, I reflect on this newest stage of motherhood that I'm in now with grown up and growing up kids inside of an emptying nest, not quite there yet, but definitely in a different stage of parenting, different stage of my marriage, different stage of family life altogether, and what that looks like now, how my perspective has shifted and grown, how I've changed and grown as a person, how I've been humbled by life, but how I've also experienced great joys inside of family living over these past many years. So I had the opportunity to share about that inside of the book, and I've been really grateful to hear from those of you who also are in that stage of life Also, those of you who aren't quite there yet, who also are enjoying the book. So thank you for that. And I wanted to mention the book at the start of the show because my guest today is Emily Diardo, who is going to be sharing about her book, Living Memento Mori, My Journey Through the Stations of the Cross. And Emily and I, I've known her for a while online, first connected 
years ago, I don't know if it was Twitter, Facebook, in the blogosphere, perhaps, but she's significantly younger than me. And um, she was always just sharing from her perspective as somebody who was struggling with chronic illness. And it was only a little while after I'd gotten to know her that I realized this chronic illness she was talking about is cystic fibrosis, CF, which I have a son with CF. And I share about that in a whole chapter of the book, Giving Thanks and Letting Go. Um, From my more grown-up experienced perspective on it now that I've parented a child with cystic fibrosis, with chronic illness, with life-threatening illness um, for all these many years, and that he's now newly married, um, graduating college, and beginning his own life and kind of taking on a lot of those responsibilities for his care that used to be mine. And that's been a way that I've kind of changed and grown through the years. But I was really interested to talk with Emily, especially about this book, Living Memento Mori, because she shares about her struggles, her her physical struggles with that diagnosis of cystic fibrosis, but other physical challenges that she has as well, and how she puts a spiritual lens on that. It really is the perfect book to talk about, to share about, to read, to reflect on, to pray over during the season of Lent, because she really, she attaches all of her personal sharing to the Stations of the Cross in a way that I think anybody, whether you're suffering serious illness or not, can relate to and uh, benefit spiritually from for sure. But I want Emily to speak for herself so you can get to know her a little bit. So without waiting any further, here is my recent conversation with Emily Diardo. Hey, everybody. I am really excited to be welcoming a special guest here on Girlfriends today. Our guest is Emily Diardo. Emily is a Catholic writer, speaker, and third order lay Dominican. She graduated in 2004 from Capital University with a bachelor's degree in political science and English literature. She worked for the Ohio State Senate for 10 years. At age 11, Emily was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, a fatal genetic disease, and received a double lung transplant at the age of 23. She's contributed to several studies published by Take Up and Read and was named the Young Catholic Woman of the Year by the Diocese of Columbus in 2005. Emily's newest book that we're here to talk about is Living Memento Mori, My Journey Through the Stations of the Cross, newly available from Ave Maria Press. Emily, welcome to Girlfriends. I am thrilled that you are here joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, okay. Way too much to talk about here. Just reading through right. your bio, I'm like, okay, let's talk about the stuff. But just so uh, before we dive into your your new book, which is so exciting, um, let's just give listeners a little background on you. We got a little bit from that bio. Okay. Um, of course, the cystic fibrosis, um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that because that plays largely into the content of the book. It does. Um, so like um, you said in the bio, I was diagnosed at age 11, which was really late. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I know being a mom of someone with CF, I'm like, what? <laughs> like we got right, to seven um, months and at, was, at seven months, we were like, something's going on here, right? It was, it was very strange. Um, I just, I didn't present normally. Um, so I, I mean, you know, I coughed a lot and I had a runny nose, but I mean, I really wasn't gaining any weight. I mean, I was 11 years old and I weighed like 58 pounds. Wow, yeah. um, and so we got in, when we moved to a new pediatrician, her first thought was, okay, we have to test her for, for CF. Um, 
so um, that that's how it was just so late. But fortunately, she caught it. Um, and so I was diagnosed at age 11. And um, I just tended to get really weird bugs. Mm-hmm. Like I would get, I talk about this a little bit in the book. Like I had non-infectious tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. I had a bug that like only one other person in the world had ever had. Wow. Um, <laughs> It was just so weird. And by the time I was a senior in college, my my lung function had, had really decreased to like, you know, the low 20s. Wow. And my doctor said, okay, we, we need to start talking about lung transplant at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh. um yeah. <laughs> quite the quite the health journey. Um, and, and people who read your book will, will get a, a taste of that. But um, maybe let's talk about how did you come to decide to write this book in the first place? I mean, I know I've been connected with you online through social media mm-hmm. through years and that you you shared a lot of your physical trials and a lot of your 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 sufferings and your challenges as a person with disability and uh, different physical weaknesses. How did that translate into this particular book idea for you though well what I noticed was that all the books I mean I'm, I'm a huge reader I always have been um mm-hmm. you know my my first response to anything is go to the books look it mm-hmm. up read about it <laughs> and um there wasn't a lot about people with CS mm-hmm. in you know published in in books they were either really old and so it was you know just totally negative, scary, sure. sad yes. stories. Super scary. I've read um, them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we've read them, you know. Um, you know, it's like people are dying at, you know, age 10. And it's right. like, oh, this is... So, I mean, my first thought was there needs to be a book about someone with CF who is living life, you know, beyond age, you know, 10, 12, 13. Right but also from the patient's perspective, because Mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's written from the parent's perspective. And while that is completely valid Mm -hmm. and, you know, useful, um, it's a different experience for sure when when you're the person who's living it. And so, you know, that was always my drive was to go, okay, I need to share my story, not because, you know, I'm awesome and super cool, but (laughs) But you are side note, Emily is. (laughs) But, um, you know, to show people that there is, you know, hope and life Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, to really get that out there. And then um, this particular version that we came up with, focusing on the Stations of the Cross, um, was actually my editor Jamie's idea. Because originally I had just written like a straight memoir. And Mm -hmm. she said, you know, I think this would be really powerful if we focused it on the stations Mm -hmm. so that's how it came to have that yeah it gives it great structure but also I think makes it really inspiring for somebody who perhaps is familiar with the stations of the cross um as a devotion but maybe hasn't ever dived into it or tried to make those personal connections with it in the way that you do so beautifully sharing your story and you know I came away from it thinking you don't have to have CF to be able to relate to these these trials inside of the Stations of the Cross. It just makes it all the more real to have those real life connections, the different ways that we experience those kinds of sufferings. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think you have to have, you know, a genetic disease or, or disability to mm-hmm. to connect with it. 
Right, right. So in the in the structure of the book, so how do you hope people are going to use this? Because, you know, um, by the time this publishes, uh, Lent, though, it will have just begun. People who are just beginning their Lenten journey, how might this be a good resource for, for them? Um, you know, how, how would you hope that readers will use it? Um, well, obviously, I mean, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is to use it as a way to pray the Stations mm-hmm. of the Cross during Lent. And the back of the book, there's actually... Um, uh, Stations of the Cross written through the lens of Memento Mori. Mm-hmm. So you could actually use that, you know, as you physically pray the stations. Um, I think that, you know, you could read, you know, a chapter a day. One thing I've heard from readers uh, is that they really like how you can just read a chapter at a time or, you know, pick a certain chapter and you don't feel lost. Right. Um, it's, it's a book that you can just sort of jump into wherever and, and pick up the thread of the story. And it's small in terms of size. Um, so you know, it's easy to fit into your bag or your purse. Um, and so you could take it, you know, read it before mass. You could read it in the holy hour. Sure. Um, you know, if you have a few minutes at home, you know, to read devotionals. Um, yeah, I really think it lends itself to really any kind of, Lenten um, devotional material. And it has questions at the end of every chapter. Right. I so like that. You, so if you wanted to do it in like a small group or, um, you know, any sort of like face sharing group with other people in your parish or community, you could definitely do that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different ways you can use it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's, you know, very practical in that way. I like that it had those chapters at the end because I thought this is good, even if you're just going to be journaling on your own or just right. giving, giving further thought to, you know, bring the book to with, with you to your prayer time and um, then spend some time just reflecting on those, those questions at the end. It's a great way to go deeper. Now in the title, you've got Memento Mori and some people might not even be familiar with what that means. Right. So let's, let's talk about that. What exactly do we mean by that? So, um, memento mori is a a Latin phrase, which means remember your death or remember that you will die. Um, so that's why there's a little skull on the cover. (laughs) A Um, pretty skull. Pretty. It's still a pretty cover. (laughs) Well, but you know, it's a pretty skull. There's, there's flowers (laughs) around it. So, um, so, um, Essentially, it's, you know, it's an old idea, and I think it goes back to the second century um, in, in Christian writing. And I mean, it focuses on the idea that our life here on earth is not all, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, our goal is to get to heaven. And to get there, we have to think about it as we live our lives. You know, we can't just sort of hope that we'll end up there. Right. Um, so... You know, while it sounds, you know, very kind of dark and morbid, I mean, you think of Hamlet, you know, holding the skull. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's a really good way to just reflect on our priorities mm-hmm. and focus our attention on what is really important um, so that we can reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven. Right. Yeah. I think um, to some extent... That's sort of a gift that someone like you who's living with serious illness and struggling with physical challenges throughout your life, that's a gift that you have 
it may not always feel that way right before your eyes, right? Every day you, you don't have the, the luxury of just pushing that aside. Right. I mean, every day you've got that reminder there. Right. And you know, it's, it's, you know, one thing that, that I say, you know, to my parents is, you know, if it's a day where we didn't end up in New York, <laughs> it's a good day. You know, yeah. we, if there is a day where, you know, we didn't have to end up in a doctor's office or mm-hmm. anything like that, you know, it was, it was a pretty good day. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you really can't, you can try to not think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I certainly met, you know, I have met people who, who are, you know, the opposite, who their, you know, their thought is, well, you know, if I'm going to die, then I should just live it up now because, right. you know, and, you know, and that's an understandable point of view, but it's not necessarily a, you know, a, a Christian right. you know, point of view. All right. As morbid as it seems, you know, focusing on our death is actually the way that we keep all things in perspective properly right. as, as Christians, right? That everything falls into place if you think I might die today. And every one of us should think that because you might, right? You don't know. No day is promised to you whether you're 100% healthy or not. Um, But some people are uncomfortable with that idea. Have you encountered that at all? I mean, even before writing this book, even just living your life, I think people Uh, with with disabilities or with serious illness, sometimes do do you experience people being uncomfortable with that? Oh, yeah. It's definitely, I mean, it's affected relationships. There, When I was on the transplant list, I mean... I was very, very lucky that I had so many good friends that, you know, just stuck with me through all of that. But there were some that were like, I, I can't handle this. Right. This is too much reality. You know, we're 22 years old. I just can't. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had, um, you know, even post-transplant, there are some guys that, you know, I've dated. Mm-hmm. And when I tell them that I've had a transplant, they're like, so are you going to be alive in like two years? And right. Right. And it's like, well, (laughs) I mean, let me check my expiration date here. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's definitely something that a lot of people, they just don't, they just don't want to be involved. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been really lucky to have great supportive people, but yeah, there are people who they just, nope. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of those great supportive people. Cause you share some about your personal life, a lot about your personal life. In your, yeah. <laughs> um, so t- tell us about your, your upbringing, your family of origin um, and your, your family now. So I am the, um, the oldest of three kids. Um, my dad is a computer scientist and uh, my mom is, is a homemaker. Um, she was a, um, a hospital secretary before she met my dad. So when the doctor actually said, you know, we're going to test her for CF, mom actually knew what that meant. Right. And so she was like, okay. Um, So um, they're originally from Pittsburgh and they moved to Columbus um, for my dad's job after they got married. Mm -hmm. Um, My brother is NFL writer for CBS and my sister is a pediatric nurse. Wow. So, um, Oh, it's a good thing one of us, with all the medical training that all of us got, you know, actually <laughs> went into the medical field. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, we, uh, I went to Catholic school, K through eight, you know, big Catholic family. My mom is the third of eight kids mm-hmm. in her family. Um, you know, we just grew up in the suburbs, just a really normal, it was very, yeah. I mean, you know, except for like, IV dressing changes at the kitchen table. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty normal. Um, you know, high school, um, college, 
I had studied political science and English literature, and my parents said, what are you going to do with that? Um, <laughs> so I was, I was very lucky to get, to get a good job um, right out of college in my field. Um, great, great. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a very, you know, kind of normal, normal upbringing. Um, yeah. And then as far as you beginning to live independently from your parents, um, did you do that right out of school? No, because when I left college, that was in 2004, um, we were already working on the transplant process at that time. So I was not in any sort of physical shape to live on my own. It was just not going to happen. But immediately, like really seriously, immediately after transplant, when I was like up and awake and had a computer, I was looking for apartments. (laughs) So um, yeah, I mean, because I love my family, but you know, it's like I was 23. Natural. Right. Um, And you know, I live in my hometown. You know, I I still live fairly close to my parents and and my brother, my sister's out in Colorado. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, we're close, but you know, it was like, I need to just get out and be independent and do that. So, so wonderful that you're still nearby, um, supportive family in that way. So in sharing some of your personal stories in this book, I mean, I, I know from my own experience as a writer that sharing personally leaves you really vulnerable. Did you experience that, especially with this being your first book that's going to reach a wider audience? Were there things that you had to hesitate or, or pray about and hold back? How did you do that? That's a good question. Um, there was, you know, a certain of you know I wanted to give other people privacy um you know if 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 I tried to give other people who might have played a part in my story if it was a good thing you know I wanted to give them credit and I would you know name them I did think about you know okay how do I write that so that you know I don't have to like include people in maybe a negative way um as far as you know personal vulnerability I thought I really didn't hesitate at that point because I thought, you know, I want this to be real. I want to be authentic with the people that are reading this. And, you know, the only way I can really do that is if I'm just honest, Mm -hmm. Um, not in like a kind of tell all like, like (laughs) bad kind of honesty. But I mean, I did want to kind of lay it out there. Like, this is how my life is. It's not, you know, all solved and wonderful and I mean it's great I love being alive but there are there are still you know issues sure um, sure yeah very because you know there are things in life that it's not like one and done mm-hmm. you know it's like okay that's over and there are things that just go on mm-hmm. and so I, I wanted to get that across so that people in that situation would think okay you know this is Right. You know, this is an honest thing. Right. And that's that's the kind of writing I think that people really relate to. They they don't want the polished version because we know there's that nitty gritty behind it. So being honest and um, about it, I think you did it really well. I think you did it really appropriately in the book, but also, you. you know, walking that line of, you know, not sharing stuff personal that other people might not want you to share or that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, how did your family feel about the book? Well, you know, they wanted, they wanted to read it when it was in like, it's editing stage. Yes. Like, no, 
Yeah, like no, you can't, saying. you will not get to read this until it's done. <laughs> right. And out. And so, um, you know, the day I got my, um, my author copies, I gave them a copy mm-hmm. and I said, okay, you know, you can go ahead and read this. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, fortunately they, they both liked it, which mm-hmm. made me happy. Um, there's a chapter four, you know, where I talk about Mary, um, you know, I did need to talk to my mom a little bit about that because I quote her. And so I wanted to make sure I quoted her, you know, right. Correctly. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, fortunately all my relatives that have read it and, you know, my siblings that have read it have, have liked it and they haven't been like, you know, why did you write this thing about me? Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, yeah, I was very conscious when I was writing it that my family was going to be reading it and, mm-hmm. you know, this might not be the time to, you know, share <laughs> some of the black humor stories that we think are funny, but yes, you know, yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's very understandable. Um, so now you have, um, this background as a, a lay Dominican, yes. um, and when exactly did, did that begin for you? Because I think that kind of colors some of your approach to your spirituality that you share in this book. Uh, it does. Um, I belong to a parish that is run by Dominicans. And mm-hmm. so um, it was um, pretty early after I started going there that I realized there was a third order lay Dominican chapter. And what, you know, what a, a third order or a lay Dominican is, is it's you're a part of the worldwide order, but, you know, you don't take vows. You don't live in a right. convent or anything <laughs> like that. You live in the world, but there are certain ways we pray, certain devotions that we say. Um, study is very important mm-hmm. to lay Dominicans. Um, go reading. So, um <laughs> You know, we say um, we pray the rosary daily, and my family's always had a, a deep devotion to the rosary. So, um, you know, when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, well, this is this is a great fit. So, um, it's a multi-year process to actually, you know, you go through formation, and um, I forget what year I actually became again. <laughs> I think it was 2014 or 2015. Okay. It's been a, it's been a while. Okay. Um. So. You know, obviously the, the rosary, which I talk about, I think I talked about the rosary in the book, mm-hmm. is, is very important to us since, um, you know, the Dominican order really, you know, propagated the rosary. Um, we say morning and evening prayer from the liturgy, the hours, and, you know, reading um, not just the Bible, but obviously the Bible is important, but, you know, contemporary spiritual authors, um, you know, all sorts of things, because we always want to deepen that intellectual life. Because as a lay Dominican, one of our jobs is to spread, you know, the truth mm-hmm. about, about the church and about God to other people. So, um, you know, you can't do that if you don't know what it is. Right. So, right. Yeah. 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 So that comes through beautifully, I think, in your writing. And I think it's just part of your your spiritual formation. So it naturally mm-hmm. translates into the way that you write about spiritual topics. Um, but, you know, some people might pick up your book that might be just vaguely familiar with this idea of memento mori. And it's sort of a foreign concept, sort of a scary concept. You know, there's a right. lot a lot in our culture that gets the concept of suffering wrong, right? Because like our culture will tell us, run away from it, do whatever you can to remove it from your life. It's not worth anything. So what, what, what kind of message of hope do you, do you hope to give to your readers about that? That was actually something that was very important to me when I, when I was writing was getting across the idea that, 
just because your life has suffering does not mean that your life is bad or worthless or counts less. Right. Um, you know, especially in, in the culture we have today um, where it's like, oh, you have a fatal diagnosis. Well, okay, your life is over. Um, right. You ever want so, a favor? Check out, right? <laughs> right. Um, you know, I really wanted to get that across and to let people know that your life does not have to be perfect to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel like I've had less of a life or worse life because of, you know, CF and transplant and all these things. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's just my life. That's just the way it is. Right. And so, you know, I, I think everybody has something. You can't avoid a life of suffering. Right. It's not possible. So, you know, I definitely want people who read it to come away with a sense of, you know, yes, there is suffering, but there is also a lot of goodness. Right. And, yeah. and you know, that doesn't, you know, that the, the goodness is not, you know, eradicated because there was suffering. I mean, it, it's, it's heightened. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, you know, especially inside of this idea of trying to meet God inside of our suffering. I mean, I think that's a tough one for a lot of people to even grasp. I know for me personally, times in my life where I've really struggled, I sometimes feel like God's not even present there. You know, it's hard to see him in that. But I think that's the value of what you're sharing here in this book is opening up that idea of meeting God in your suffering, connecting our suffering with Christ's suffering, especially through his passion and death inside the stations of the cross. And therefore, applying meaning to them in that way and a, a connection to God, like he gets our suffering, like he suffered all that and so much worse. Right. Right. I mean, you know, Jesus is obviously aware of human suffering. He endured human suffering. I mean, to the farthest extent, right. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he did not, you know, try to get out of anything. And I mean, he could have, <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. it would have been very easy for him to be like, we're going to do this another way. Um, <laughs> another now, less you know, painful way right I mean I, I, that, that does not mean that like you know every time I'm in the hospital or you know I'm in a ER or something I'm sitting and going yes Jesus yeah. is with me in my suffering and it's I'm so just blissful, fine right yeah I mean there are times where it's like you know what I am not happy about the situation mm-hmm. um you know right. and I think and I think that's okay I, I think you know I, I've had people tell me that you know, you, you can't, you know, be angry with God. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you can, you can take it. I mean, you know, if you need to <laughs> yell at him, it's okay. Get it out of your system and move on. Um, right. Cause yeah, there've been Devin, you know, I share that in the book. There've been times where I'm like, really, th- we're going to do this seriously. Like, I don't want to, right. Um, right. but you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, a little kid has a temper tantrum. And then we move on and, you know, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think that it is, it's important to realize that, that Jesus is with us in our suffering, but we might not always feel like he is. Yes. Yes. That's an important point to make. And, and I think you, you share that realistically, those kinds of struggles inside of um, what you share in this book. Now, um, Emily, there might be people that are listening that want more information about this. Maybe they're unfamiliar with even the idea of Memento Mori, and this is a great opportunity to kind of introduce them to that topic this this Lenten season. Where can they go to find out more about your work and more about the book? 
Um, I have a website. It's just emilymdiardo.com, um, mm-hmm. all one word. And I have links to um, to Memento Mori and Stations of the Cross on the website. But also right. um, in the back of the book, if you have a copy, I have a um, an additional resources page. Yes. And that links to um, Sister Teresa Alethea Noble, who really sort of kicked off a deeper Catholic understanding of Memento Mori with her books on um, Memento Mori. So um, those are in the book and they're on my website and I have links to social media on there too. Great. Okay. So we'll be checking that out. We'll put all of those links in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. Those show notes are always available at ascensionpress.com for every episode of the Girlfriends podcast. If you want to have those show notes sent directly to your inbox, dear listeners, you can text the word girlfriends to 33777 and you will automatically get signed up, subscribe to get those show notes sent to your inbox. You never have to worry. You'll get Emily's links and all that good stuff sent right to you. Emily, I want to thank you for taking the time to share here on Girlfriends, but even more importantly, thank you for sharing this book and thank you for sharing your life and your struggles and the everyday reality of living with serious illness. It truly is a gift to me, especially as a CF mom myself. I, I'm so grateful for you. Oh, thank you, Danielle. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. God bless you in all you do. Now it's going to be time for a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you are listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. Do you find it difficult to enter into the mysteries of the rosary? What about personally applying them to your life? Drawing from the writings of the saints, the Bible, and Catholic tradition, Matt Fratt has produced Pocket Guide to the Rosary, a masterful work that teaches Catholics how to truly meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, how to pray the rosary like the saints, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your prayer life and improve the way you pray what St. Padre Pio called the weapon of our times, we invite you to check out Pocket Guide to the Rosary by Matt Frad. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Welcome back. Now we're at the part of the show where I like to share some listener feedback with everyone. You know, I love your feedback. So first of all, if you have feedback for me from this show or any other show, want to suggest a topic for me to take up or have a question for me, you can always contact me, Danielle at DanielleBean.com or connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know how to find me. And Liz did email me in the last week, and this is what she wrote. Hi, Danielle. I wanted to write in because I just listened to an episode where a girlfriend was discouraged about NFP. For those who don't know, NFP stands for Natural Family Planning, which is a natural, licit, approved, church-approved way of spacing or avoiding pregnancy inside of marriage. Okay, fertility awareness. Um, Going on, Liz says, I've only been practicing this past year, so I'm by no means a pro, but we started practicing the couple-to-couple league method, and then we ended up learning the Marquette method as well. For the Marquette method, we use a fertility monitor, specifically the clear blue monitor, that says if your estrogen and LH are low, high, or at its peak for your cycle. For both methods, I have used two different apps. 
I have used the P, the letter P tracker app to track period symptoms, but it also had the ability to track temperature and mucus and cervix symptoms. Then we started CCL, that's Couple to Couple League, and we started using the Cycle Pro Go app, which I've still been using after we switched to Marquette. Okay, so all of that is a little bit technical, but that's what NFP is like if you dive deep into it. So for sure, I appreciate that input and your sharing of those resources, Liz. If anybody wants more information, I will share the full text of Liz's email with the names of those apps, et cetera, in the show notes for the Girlfriends podcast. Note, you can always get the show notes for the Girlfriends podcast at ascensionpress.com. And if you don't want to have to go and look up the show notes, if you want them sent straight to you every week, you can text the word girlfriends to 33777 and you will get added to an email list to have all of the show notes sent to your inbox. It's a great thing because I know I do this with podcasts that I like to listen to because you'll be listening to a podcast and they'll mention something and say, oh, I'll have the link in the show notes for this book to check out or this website that's helpful or this product that I like. And I'll either be in the middle of a run or I'll be driving or whatever it is. You know, you're doing life while you're listening to podcasts. So you don't always have the opportunity to go and look it up right away. And then you may not remember later. Pain in the neck, right? So avoid all of that. And bonus, never miss a single episode of the Girlfriends podcast by getting it sent directly to your inbox. Again, text the word girlfriends to 33777. That's only for U.S. residents. Unfortunately, I've heard from a few of you outside the U.S. who are frustrated by not being able to sign up in that way. But if you email me or contact me on social media and um, share your email address with me, I will be glad to have you manually added to that list as well. You can still get on the list. You just can't automatically text to subscribe. So thank you for those NFP resource recommendations, Liz. And next up, I have a note from Andrea. So Andrea says, hello, this is Andrea from Northern California. I'm also a CatholicMom.com contributor. Thank you for that, Andrea. Love that. Love to hear from our contributors here. I love listening to your podcasts and truly appreciate all that you do to share in our faith. I could literally comment on every topic you podcast about, but I fear you might get tired of hearing from me. I recently listened to two of your shows. The first about how to love annoying people and your words rang so true. I think this also carries over to people who don't share the same faith or practices. I work in a very secularized school where many of my colleagues are atheist or agnostic. I've always tried to lead with love and pray for them. Secondly, I also loved the interview with Jacqueline Brown, and it was very encouraging because I have been working on a fictional story for over a year and debating whether or not I should take the route of Catholic fiction or traditional fiction. I realized my priorities were focused on reaching a larger audience. After listening to the podcast, I realized my purpose for writing has nothing to do with fame or money, and I think I know which route I want to take. I would love to hear a podcast on any of the following topics. One, how to love your aging parents. Two, what to do when you and your spouse are growing at different times, meaning one is on a spiritual journey and how to grow together. Three, when your expectations of people are not met. And I actually intend to write an article for CatholicMom.com on this one, but I would love to hear your take on it too. And finally, women's ministries. What do they look like and how can we start developing them in our own parishes? And lastly, I noticed you have a women's conference in Fresno, but I could not locate which church in Fresno. I would love to attend this as it's only two hours from where I live. Thank you, Andrea. 
Okay. First of all, thank you, Andrea, for all of that. And I want to address your question about the Fresno conference because I did share that I'm going to be speaking on Saturday, March 14th at the Women's Conference in Fresno, California. That's going to be at St. Joachim Church. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I've just heard that that event is sold out. So I don't know if there's any possibility of still getting access to that event. But if you send me an email, anybody listening, I will be glad to forward it to the person who's running that so that you can get any questions that you might have answered about that event. I'm going to share that individually with you too. I'm going to send back an email to you, Andrea, there. I really appreciate you sharing about the ways in which The topics we've recently taken up have touched upon things in your own real life because that's honestly all that I ever hope to do here is share about things in a way that is helpful to you in your real life. And you mentioned the one about loving annoying people. (laughs) And um, the funny thing, when I put the title of that online, um, promoting it on social media, I heard from a bunch of people who thought it was funny because they read the title as how to love annoying people, right? Not how to love annoying people. It's how to <laughs> how you can love the act of annoying people, which I thought was funny because that hadn't occurred to me before I put it out there. Um, but I love your take on it, the fact that you're living and working in a secular environment and learning to get along with those people whose values are very different from your own and praying for those people. I think that's, that's a beautiful example to all of us. Um, the other one that you mentioned is the interview with Jacqueline Brown, who writes Catholic Fiction. I love that that is prompting you toward writing Catholic fiction yourself. And I'm going to pray for you inside of that endeavor, Andrea. And I invite other listeners here at Girlfriends to pray for Andrea and others, because I heard from a number of people, not just Andrea, but others who are taking on writing projects because they were inspired by that conversation with Jacqueline Brown, which I think is such a beautiful thing. And uh, Jacqueline is such a great example of someone using her gifts in service to the church, but also just the world at large, creating beautiful works of art that are inspiring and um, really just a source of truth and beauty inside of our world today. So thank you for all of that. And then finally, Andrea, for your topics that you suggested, I love all of them, and I'm going to file those away for um, future use. I'm going to take those up in uh, future episodes of the Girlfriends podcast. If other people have ideas for topics you want me to take on, please share with me. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. And if you're not coming to the Fresno event, I want to invite you to be a part of other places where I'm going to be. So Saturday, March 7th, I'm going to be giving my You're Worth It retreat at Precious Blood Parish in Jasper, Indiana. Looking forward to that. As I mentioned on Saturday, March 14th, I'm going to be speaking at the Women's Conference in Fresno. Saturday, March 28th, I will be speaking at the Women's Conference in Norwich, Connecticut. Really looking forward to that. I've heard great things from other speakers who were a part of that conference in the past. And then Saturday, April 18th, I'm going to be right here in New Hampshire, in Windham, New Hampshire. I will be giving my You're Worth It retreat at St. Matthew's Parish. If none of those happen to be near where you live, your parish, your women's group, your community, and you'd like to explore the option of having me come to your parish, your community, your women's group, be a part of your conference, I would love to connect about that. You can 
email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. But for more information about the retreats that I have specifically designed for women, you can go to daniellebean.com slash retreats. There's information there, but also a little form you can fill out to get even more detailed information about the possibility of having me come do one of those events at your parish. Or if you're interested in having me come to speak at your parish or community, part of an event you're already planning, you can get information about doing that at daniellebean.com slash speaking. I want to thank you all for being a part of today's show. Thank you for those of you who've reached out to connect with me about my new book, Giving Thanks and Letting Go, Reflections on the Gift of Motherhood. I look forward to continuing those conversations in the coming weeks, the coming months ahead. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate your presence. It truly is a gift and a source of great encouragement to me. You don't have to do anything else than show up to be a valuable, appreciated member of the Girlfriends community. Thank you so much for being here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 